Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now let's join special guest Lewis Pollard as he teaches from the Word of God. Good morning. Um, I am honored, humbled, because I don't deserve the opportunity, but I'm I'm grateful for it. Um, So I've got three objectives. Objective number one is I want God to be glorified. Objective number two, I want you to be reminded of the truth of the gospel. What was number three? Don't embarrass my in-laws. So... I got them. So, yeah, that's it. So, a couple things. Um, today, the, the heart of what I desire to do is just to encourage you. Um, honestly, just to remind you of some truths that you probably already know. And so sometimes we just kind of need somebody to love us enough just to remind us of what we already know. Um, in an academic sense, many of us know the truths of the gospel. We, we get it academically. If I were to test you on it, you'd be like, man, that's, that's easy. That's the, a layup of a test. But to apply it, to make it, you know, stick in those situations which are hard for us, that's what we want to think about. So sometimes we need to pay attention even if we know what is said. And so here's an example. I'm sitting at this table at, at our house in, in Tyler. Our house is in Tyler, Texas, outside of Lindell. And so sitting at the table, Erin, my wife, made it. We're about to celebrate 20 years. She is one patient woman. Um, And so so I'm sitting there, and I'm kind of reading something and just kind of minding my own business. And Erin says to me, you haven't heard a word that I've said. And I'm thinking the whole time, that is a weird way to start a conversation. (laughs) So here's the deal. Sometimes, sometimes we need a reminder. And so today, by God's grace, that's what we'll give. And so I want to give you this picture. Some of you know these guys. Um, yeah, there they are. We got left to right here is how it works. These are my six kids. This is Isaac. He's in 10th grade. Karis is in 8th. EJ, Elijah, is in 6th grade. Ellie's in 4th. Sammy um, is in 2nd. And Corbin is in kindergarten. You look at this picture, and for many of you, this makes no difference. It's just a picture. But for me, I've got this boy up here, Isaac, who is becoming a man. And he is kind. Um, He is learning to honor girls his age. He's really afraid of them, to be honest. That's right, right? He's part of two discipleship, discipleship groups, one of which that he and a buddy leads, which is humbling for me. And we got Karis right here. Karis is my sweetheart. Um, anytime I go do visits in the hospital or for funerals and stuff, she's with me. Elijah here is this guy who is super brilliant with engineering. His mind is on another level than mine, obviously from Aaron. Um, and, and just an example, like he, want, he wanted to play me in a video game so he can embarrass me. He did it. 
And then Ellie here is my, my sweet Ellie, who is fun, loving, laughing, a little dramatic, but she's my little Ellie. And then Sammy is our compliant kid, but a super sneaky athlete, and I love him. And then there's Corbin, my little baby girl, who is 100% rascal. And I share those details, but before those details exist, four years before Isaac was born, I married their mom. A couple months before that, I met Aaron at Steak and Shake in Tallahassee on October 14th, 1999. Before that, a week before, I, I prayed that God would just help me trust and lean on him and I would give up the dating scene. Before that, I was a college dropout. Before that, I barely graduated high school. Before that, I was raised in a home that didn't know the Lord. You see, all these details are part of that picture. And all we do when we see a picture is we just think that's the picture. But what we want to do today is we want to remind ourselves of the details of the picture so we can better understand why that picture matters. And so we want to talk about that. So this is what it has to do with you. There's two significant pictures. The first significance is the idea of worldly significance. And how worldly significance works is you start with actions. And how you behave and how you act dictates your value. And as a result, it dictates your belonging. So if I act right, then I'm valued a certain way. If I act wrong, I'm valued differently. And as a result, I belong there. There's a term, and I'm going to try to break this term down. I understand sometimes big words get kind of muddied. It's the word meritocracy. It's the idea of things based off of merit, whether I do good or not. So... It's dependent on you. However, there's a gospel significance, and it flips the script. It changes the wording. It changes the approach, and it goes like this. It starts with you belonging. That You've got a sovereign, good, kind, gracious, and just God who reigns on his throne. And by his grace, if you're a child of God, you belong to him. And as a result, he dictates your value. It's found in him. And as a result, your actions correspond to who you are. D.A. Carson calls that grace-driven effort. And so as a result, it changes meritocracy, and we redefine it into accomplished meritocracy. Accomplished means this, that as a result of the work of Christ... Those merits have been met in him. And so that's where we find ourselves. Rick Warren says it this way. He says, our problem is not that we don't love Jesus. It's because we don't realize how much Jesus loves us. So to help us understand this, we want to look at a portion of Scripture in Colossians. So if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn there. We're going to be in chapter 1. Paul's in prison writing this letter. He's addressing false teaching about Christ and what Christ has accomplished. And he's doing so with incredible patience. And if you're a student of the word, you know that this letter was delivered with the letter Philemon, which is powerful if you've studied that. So there's a lot of nuance there. And another little city that's mentioned in this letter to Colossians is Laodicea. If you study the seven churches in Revelation, you'll know that it's paired together. So there's a lot of good nuggets of truth there. And so if you have your Bibles, I'm going to read 
from God's word, this text. Verse 9. He says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who, listen to me, who has qualified you. You belong. To share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. How can he qualify us? What credentials does he have? Let's keep reading. Speaking of Jesus, he is the image the icon of the invisible God. He is the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, or rulers, or authorities. All things, listen to me, all things were created through him. And here's the major detail, and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together, and he is the head of the body the church he is the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent for in him all the fullness of god was pleased to dwell and whether listen to me through him to reconcile all things to himself whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross Here's the details. We see the picture. Many of us have this picture of going back. Maybe it was a tent revival. Maybe it was in this building. Maybe it was in Sopchoppy. Maybe it was somewhere where you just know that Jesus saved you. And then life happens. And you need to be reminded of the details of what happened well before you were born to make it possible that you can be redeemed. So, we'll start back in verse 9, and we'll just kind of walk through this text and begin to to look at how this applies. Let me just remind you of the details. It says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled. Notice what he says, filled with. Not with a bank full of money. But with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This idea, it's the acquisition of knowledge and the application of that knowledge in a specific situation. This word is epigonosco. It's not just knowledge as in an academic sense. It's an applied knowledge that matters and transforms your heart. Many of us have this transactional approach. We just transaction, we do this, we get this. But here, he transforms us. He softens our hard hearts. He causes us to see truth. And as a result, His Spirit transforms the way that we live and breathe and have our being. As Paul says to the philosophers in Acts 17, 
we see some things take place, right? Let's look at verse 10. So as to walk in a manner. This is what he's praying for, spirit, all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. And by the way, that's the goal of this whole text. So that we could walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So there's these two crazy words too. Let me give them to you. You know, you know one of them definitely. Orthodoxy. That's believing the right things, believing truth. And then there's orthopraxy, where you practice the right things based on believing the right things. Many of us have this one nailed. And we're really good at reminding people on Facebook all we know. (laughs) Especially if they've got it wrong. But we fail to practice it. Back in 1995, as an 18-year-old boy, 19-year-old boy, excuse me, I was in Tampa, Promise Keepers, if many of you remember it. T.D. Jakes was preaching, and he said this, Information and inspiration without application leads to desperation. We have to apply these details. If you're here today and you're in a desperate situation, it's probably because you forgot the details. So, let's walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him. And when you do that, by the way, that's an act of worship. It's an act of obedience. And here's what happens. You bear fruit, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So as you're obedient, as you're bearing fruit, what happens is you grow in your understanding of the knowledge, the epigonosco, the knowledge, the intimate knowledge with God as you're obedient. It's part of the process. And he says, may you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Now notice this, according to his glorious might. So it's not on your tank of energy of strength, which is limited. It's on his. According to that, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks. I feel like that's something we forget to do. We kind of earmark giving thanks to the last Thursday in November when it should be the attitude of our hearts daily. If you want to be a humble person, some of you pray for humility, it starts with gratitude. Giving thanks to the Father. And listen what He has done. He has qualified you. Now, now notice that tense. He qualified you. This is something that you didn't do. He did. All you are is the object of his initiation. And he has qualified you. You are broken. You are sinful and wretched. And by the grace of God, he has qualified you. Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, as a result of this truth, we can approach the throne of grace with confidence we don't have to be timid we don't have to ask for permission we got it because of the shed blood of jesus we've been qualified he qualified you to share in the inheritance in romans 8 we see that we're co-heirs with christ provided it says here's the caveat that we suffer with him he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Ephesians 2, right? You were dead in your trespasses, but God made you alive. 
you were in a domain of darkness, but he transferred you to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption. The forgiveness of sins. Now, let's dig into chapter, or excuse me, verse 15. Again, the plan of salvation is simple. Just want to repeat it. It's initiated by God the Father. It was accomplished by God the Son. It's applied by God the Spirit. Our worthiness is dictated by the worth of Christ. Our worth is determined by actions. Thankfully, not ours, but Christ. And God's sacrifice through Christ was an act of mercy. And the cross represents the inner relationship of two aspects of God's nature, his forgiveness and his justice, merging this one. Again, keep that in mind. And now we speak of Jesus. So you want to know how important the doctrine of Jesus is? Without Jesus being who he is, we have nothing to stand on. The promises of the gospel have no footing without who Christ is. Speaking of Jesus, he is the image. I mentioned earlier the word icon, that's where we get it from. He's the representation, invisible expression of the invisible God. Now just so you know, this isn't just something that Paul writes about in Colossians. There's other scriptures that support this idea. John's Gospel. Verse 14, and the word became flesh, right? And dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father. Notice these two ingredients full of grace and truth. Grace and truth, right? Truth without grace is mean. Grace without truth is meaningless. He's got them both. Full of grace and truth. Verse 18, he says, no one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And then the writer of Hebrews steps in in verse 3, just the first part of the verse, and he says, he is the radiance, speaking of Jesus, of the glory of God. And he qualifies me. He is the radiance of the glory of God. The exact imprint of his nature and upholds the universe by the word of his power. He's the firstborn of all creation, meaning like he stands outside of it and initiates all that happens. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. And notice this detail, where the thrones are dominions, are rulers, or authorities, or people sitting in the White House, all things were created through him and for him. So if you've got a problem with leadership, you need to go to Jesus and first submit to him. Just look at this. He created all things for his glory. And yet, for some reason, you and I, we get hard-hearted, and we want to make it about us. When he shaped all things by the word of his power, 
And he did all these things, and it's for him. And he gets even greater detail. Again, this, Jesus is qualified because he is Lord of creation. It says, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You ever think about that? This world is spinning exactly like it should. Its relationship to the sun is exactly as it should be. The air you breathe, exactly as it should be. The blood pumping from your heart to your extremities, exactly as it should be. And Jesus is behind it. He's there. Jesus is the unique manifestation of both God and man, always embodying the best of both wherever he was. And using the word image, Paul stressed that God was present wherever Jesus was. He was the personal manifestation of God. Now verse 18. Jesus is qualified because he's the Lord of the new creation. Let's look at verse 18. It says, and he is the head of the body, the church. Here's the new creation. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. I want to pause there. Our church in Texas just got through walking through 1 Corinthians, 46 weeks. And it took literally week 44 for some of the barnacles of my heart to be awakened, to be like knocked off. And it was about the resurrection. It took me, verse by verse, walking through chapter 15, for me to see this. As I've studied it, I've defended it, I've done all this before. But man, just to begin to apply, to be steadfast, to be immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, that knowing in the Lord our labor is not in vain. You want to know why? Because the resurrection is legit. (laughs) I mean, that's it. I mean, like, so think about that. Think about what, how that motivates the believer. You can be steadfast. You can be firmly grounded in truth. You can let the winds of change and the current of, of the world go through around you. But you can be steadfast. You can be immovable there. Yet always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing that And in the Lord, your labor, it's not in vain. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, resurrection, that in everything, whether life or death, he might be preeminent. For in him, in Christ, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Think about what brings you pleasure. For me, it's Playing ball with my kids, I enjoy like throwing the ball with my kids. I, in fact, even recently, I've enjoyed watching my wife throw the football to my son in the kitchen because <laughs> I want her to be part of that thing that brings him joy. All the fullness of God, the Father. Is pleased to dwell in the Son of God. Pleased to dwell in Christ. Everything that God is, Jesus is. And then verse 20. 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. And here's how he did it. Like, you, you think about, like, I don't know if you've ever been smart enough, that's tongue-in-cheek, to buy something from Ikea, and you have to put it together. And you rip the box thinking, man, I can't wait till it looks like that one little scene they set out in an Ikea. It's going to look so amazing in this space in my house. I cannot wait. And then you rip open the boxes, and there's that one thing, and, and you know you need it, but you can't find it. You want to know how Jesus did this? How he reconciled the world to himself? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, God made him who knew no sin to be sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He did this. His instrument, his tool was the action of him going to the cross. So, one of the things that I have learned from a lot of mistakes, and I got a lot of them, is to make sure that I leave you with a way to take this truth and put feet to it. So how do you keep these details in front of you? The first one is is simple. It sounds like, okay, thanks, bro. You nailed it. It's to put daily gospel reminders in front of you. That's personally. That's you and the word every day. You reminding yourself that you are a sinner deserving of hell, but God. Amen. Deuteronomy 6, we have what's called the Shema, right? This incredible thing starting in verse 4 it says, Hero God, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. Goes on, talks about ways to keep God's law, His word in front of you. And the thing that just blasts off the page for me every time I read it is verse 12. The whole reason why he has told them to keep these things in front of them is because of verse 12. Verse 12, he says, in Deuteronomy 6, he says, take care lest you forget. You want to know why it's important to be reminded? Because you can forget. Take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So for us, take care lest you forget that you were bound for hell. That you were suffering in your own filth and the effects of it. Take care lest you forget the Lord who has done all this for you. So let's continue to apply it. Psalm 1, right? Verse 2 and 3, speaking of the blessed man. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And here's what happens. Here's the effects. And he is like a tree planted by streams of living water that yields its fruit in its season. Earlier we talked about bearing fruit as one who's qualified. Here's how it happens. You're planted by streams of living water because you meditate on the word of the Lord and its leaf does not wither and all that he does he prospers and jesus spoke to this a little bit john 15 
with section on abiding, like he's kind of doing a cram course. The final is about to happen, which is the cross. John 13, he washes their feet. Amazing, right? 14, he reminds them, hey, don't, be, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. It's awesome. Chapter 15, verse 5. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me. That means that you cut the cord of control of your life and you depend on him. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. And here's the most incredible piece of that story. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So the first thing we want to do to keep this in front of us, these details, is to personally be in front of the word. The second thing is corporately worship. As a body of believers, one of the greatest things that happens is you're showing up here and sharing a culmination of your week with one another before the throne of God. It's not about the music. It's not about who's preaching. It's about the God we serve. That's the detail. You bring in all your brokenness, all your blessedness, and saying, Lord, we're together in this. It's important. And then there's the other six. Usually we only focus on Sunday, but it's, we need to think about the other six. Monday through Saturday. And the way that we can do this is through community. Earlier in the Fight Club video, I talked about accountability. You want to know the power of accountability? It's not just through confessing your sins, which that's important. But it's reminding each other of the hope of the gospel and where you deny truth and the brother or sister in Christ loving you enough to point you back to truth, not to wallow with you in your sin, but to bring you back to the cross, to love you enough to take you there. That's the power of accountability. So if you want to keep these details in front of you, it's daily, you and the Lord. Corporate worship, right? And it's community. That's why you have life groups. You've got a pastor designated for that. To equip you to be in a situation where you can disciple one another, hold each other accountable to truth, and apply it. Well, how will it change you? Let me give you some examples of how this truth, once it's applied, this, these details, once you apply them, what, what, what can happen? As a result of applying this, I won't chase for approval of others because I'm approved by God because of Christ. If you apply the gospel, what happens is your approval is already set. Like Proverbs 29, 25, right? For the fear of man sets a snare. But those who trust in the Lord are safe. How about this one? I won't harbor resentment or bitterness toward others because I've been forgiven by God because of Christ. Many of us in this room are like anchored down by bitterness. I love this. Seeing people give in these little boxes and give in the bags that came across. Scripture says if you got an issue with a brother or a sister 
Like, go back and reconcile with them before you give your offering. And here's the thing. If I understand the effects of the gospel and how it has softened and transformed this wretched heart, I won't harbor resentment. I won't keep bitterness there. Because I've been forgiven by God. The next thing, the next effect is I won't believe lies because God has revealed truth to me in His Word and through His Son. Or I won't withhold love to anybody regardless of their voting status. Regardless. They believe like I do. If they see marriage like I do, if they look like I do, I won't withhold love to them because God demonstrated His love to me and that while I was broken, marred, and an enemy of His, He sent Christ to ransom me. So I can love you even if I don't agree with you. And you can love me even if you don't agree with me because God first loved us. And I won't worry. I won't worry. Many of us in this room, that is your kryptonite. You believe that God is good and in control, but you don't act like it. You don't think like it. You give your little prayer request hoping that you believe what you're asking. But you can't worry in one hand and have faith in the other and say that's right. Let's apply it. I won't worry if I believe the gospel because I know that God that's, the God that sent his son to ransom a wretch like me He's got it. I trust him. So again, in closing, we have worldly significance that says my actions dictate my value, right? That dictates my belonging. But I want you to know that if you're in this room this morning, that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are qualified you belong and that belonging dictates your value because of what christ has done because of accomplished meritocracy because of the finished work of christ the fact that he lived a sinless life died on the cross and rose from the dead he has accomplished our salvation so you belong and you have value because of him And as a result, we behave that way. We reflect them. So if I can get that picture of my my kids one more time. Here they are. So the older two, we have this thing that we do every morning. I take them to school and Aaron takes the other ones because of where the school locations are in Lindell. And so I'm praying with them every morning in the school. And here's the consistent prayer. Is Lord, help us have wisdom and discernment on how to add value to other people. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Knowing epigenosco.
that in the Lord my labor is not in vain. So many of you in this room, you think, well, I'm not a pastor. I, haven't, I don't have any theological education. I don't have any of these things going for me. What can God use me to do? And some of you in this room, I've had the privilege of walking with you and seeing God move in your life. This handsome guy that I can't remember his name that I've been on his boat right over here uses his boat as a platform for the gospel. Knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. I just want you to understand that your platform is where God has put you. So where you live, where you work, where you play is an opportunity for the gospel to be seen and known through you. Remember the details, apply them, and know that you are qualified. Not because of you, but because of Christ. So I want to pray for us. Um, and, and Henry, more than you know, I'm humbled that you would allow me to do this. You know, when I served at First Baptist almost 20 years ago, and you were kind enough, you took me out to eat, you brought me to your backyard and showed me how to hit a crazy golf shot. <laughs> and your kindness towards me when I pastored at Wakulla Springs, I was always humbled by it, always humbled by it. So thank you for this opportunity. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.